You're listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. If you need any more information, visit us at www.redwoodbaptist.org. We are currently in a series entitled God Friends. 15, please. Thank you, men, for helping. John 15. John chapter 15. Normally the children are gone for that, and, and I know some of them, they know the Lord, and, and uh, so we have to put more, more, in the, in, in, more juice in, and that's a wonderful, wonderful uh, problem to have. So many of us, we have, uh, we've read good books on marriage and uh, possibly on raising children, but I wonder how many of us have read a good book on what it means to be a friend. And so we're going to be concluding our series this morning on Got Friends, and uh, my prayer is is that uh, something you have learned over these three weeks, and then today would be the fourth week, that, uh, that has been a help and a blessing, uh, blessing to you. Often it's not something that we, we, we read about. Uh, you go to the library, there's not even many books that are really written about it, uh, a lot on uh, just, you know, marriage and uh, raising kids and things like that. But this morning, I want to conclude kind of with, uh, we've spent some weeks in Ephesians 4. This is going to be more of kind of just a conclusion thought. And uh, some will be a little bit of review uh, as I want to just hit a few things a little bit more. Uh, but we're going to be looking at the idea of friendships and the gospel, how those two things go together and how in a few minutes we can walk out these doors and live a life striving for gospel-centered type of friendships. And uh, so, you know, many of us might be hard-pressed to define friendship, but we know, what, we know what it is when we see it. In other words, when we, when we experience it, when we see it in, in somebody else. But if we were to take a poll this morning and we were to ask you to define what a good gospel-centric friend looks like, we might struggle with that. It might, be, uh, it might be difficult for us to put it down on paper. Friendship exists where there is love and affection and trust and encouragement. But I'll be honest with you, that's how much of our definitions would be, but it's actually a little bit of a weak one if that's kind of all we, all, all we think of. Is it true that a man can direct his love, can direct his affection, his trust, and encouragement toward a dog. Yes or no? Yeah. And that dog can respond with those same things. What is, what is a dog? A dog is man's best what? Friend, right? Maybe some of you, a cat. You know, a cat might be man's best friend or lady's best friend, whatever the case is. But when it's all said and done... I think most of us, we want, we want friendships that are a little bit deeper, all right? And again, there's nothing wrong with having a great, you know, kindredship with, a, with an animal. But I think we want a little bit deeper, a little bit uh, richer than what someone can have with the, that the best dog in the world can provide. And so for better understanding of friendship, let's read here in John 15. Let's begin reading in verse number 9. It says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. 
If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Jesus has begun his dissertation with uh, his disciples and in chapter 14, he begins to tell about how uh, he's getting ready to, to die, getting ready to die on the cross, and to, he's foretelling that to his, to his disciples, telling him that he's got to go away, that he's going to send another comforter, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And now he comes to chapter 15, and he kind of begins to explain what this fruit, what this commitment, what this friendship is going to is going to look like. And in these verses, Jesus taught what he taught was he was the greatest example and the model of what a friend is. And here's what it is. True friendship requires sacrifice. True friendship requires sacrifice. The overarching concern of Jesus in John 15 is that his disciples would persevere in their faith, that they, would, that they would continue in their faith. If you were to kind of uh, look at verses 1 through 8, uh, Jesus teaches that true disciples, they're going, to, they're going to manifest fruit, spiritual fruit. They're going to produce it. Verse 8 tells us, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. And then following the text that we read, and Chapter verse like 18 on through probably verse number 26, Jesus taught that this spiritual fruit that we are that we're commanded to do is we abide in Christ and He in us. We are the we are the, uh, the you know we are the branches. He is the vine. We're abiding in Him. Really, a whole other kind of series really could kind of be uh, birthed off of that. But as we are in communion with Christ, as we're allowing His life to flow in and through us, we will yield that fruit, and it's going to bear this fruit really in a world of opposition. You begin reading in verse number 18 and kind of going on through towards the end of the chapter, it's going to be a place of opposition. It's going to be hard for friendships to last, to make it. For you men, again, he's talking to his disciples here. It's going to be very difficult for you to stay together. Now, you know that just a few short hours later, what, they all disperse, right? They kind of go all over the place. And so Jesus was, he's saying, hey, it's going to be difficult for you. Verse 20, remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If you have persecuted me, ye they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. So the point of this chapter, in kind of just a general way, is that those who follow Jesus by obeying his commands, they're going to face persecution from the world. It's going to be difficult. These are, in a sense, marching orders from Christ 
to live lives as a friend to God, as a friend to others, to have unity one with another, to have love with one another, to love God as He loves us, and to be friends, so to speak. And so friendship is sacrificial love. Sacrificial love. Again, in our text of verse 12, this is my commandment. That ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. In other words, friends of Christ are those that love one another. Those who love one another are those who are willing to lay down their lives for one another. Now we know that Christ literally laid down His life, but how does that get, how does that get fleshed out in your life and in my life? And that's, kinda, that's how I want to kind of close this series here this morning. I want to uh, help us with that. Uh, the heart of friendship is love as well as sacrifice. And Jesus was the primary example of this. Uh, he was willing to endure all types of, of suffering and sacrifice. Uh, and uh, He said, hey, if you're going to do this, guess what? You're going to be persecuted. This is going to be hard to do in a world of hatred, in a world of such division. One of the things that we prayed on Friday night with our, our, our men's group at a checkpoint was the divisiveness that is all around our country. And it is so hard to love one another. It is so difficult to love somebody that might see something a little bit different than you. And listen, we're called, remember a couple weeks ago, the diversity in our friends. There ought to be people that do not think exactly the way that we think. And we ought to celebrate those types of things. And so in a world of such hostility, in a world of such divisiveness, Jesus says, hey, hey, you're going to be persecuted if you love like I'm telling you to love. If you are a friend like this message will portray, then listen, it's going to be hard. There's going to be some things that you and I are going to have to progress through. I'll be honest with you, the disciples, they didn't fully understand what Jesus meant here. Okay, You and I, we are some 2,000 years, we're looking back. We know the rest of the story, right? But, 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 but they didn't understand everything. They didn't understand everything until, Jesus, until they witnessed Jesus fully crucified and then risen from the dead, and then as John 14 tells us earlier, then the Holy Spirit's going to come, and He gives them understanding. He brings back the things that Jesus had been teaching them all of these three and a half years that they didn't really get. And by, let's be fair, nor would you or I. We would, know, we, we would not have understood everything that Jesus understood. And so as He's teaching this, they don't get everything. But Jesus willingly laid down His life for them. He bore the excruciating pain of the cross, of the wrath of God being poured out on Him. He was dying in the place of sinners and we just celebrated that. We just remembered that. Praise God, three days later, He rose from the grave, didn't He? And uh, we, we, we rejoice with that truth as well. And so we've never seen, nor will we ever know, a more profound and powerful act of love than you see at the cross. Uh, John in his first letter said this, Hereby, in 1 John 3, Hereby perceive we the love of God because He laid down His life for us 
and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Nothing greater. Okay, so for the importance of this truth, for, for a Christian understanding of friendship, I, I, don't, I don't want you to miss it. There's so much wisdom on friendship throughout the Bible, but the best wisdom comes from the gospel itself. And so what I want us to do is I want us to look at our friendships this morning. We've kind of journeyed through some things over the last three weeks, and I want us to ask ourselves, again, you're not, remember who we're, what we're not here for, we're not to examine the person to our right, left, behind us, in front of us, okay? You are here to examine yourself. So fire that inner lawyer that I joked about last week. Hopefully you didn't rehire him this week. You probably did. But fire him and you ask yourself some of these questions this morning to help us as we conclude this series on friends. First question is this. Do I take the initiative in my friendships? Do I take the initiative in my friendships? Now, I'll be honest with you, I made this the first point because I had some friends in my life recently help me to take some initiatives uh, with other friends in my life the last couple weeks. Well, let me ask you a question. Isn't it easy to wait for someone else to make the first move? Isn't it easy to make someone else make the first phone call? Or to make somebody else make that first text? Or to offer that first invitation? Oftentimes the fear of rejection or maybe things that have been said and done being brought back up is sometimes the reason why we would rather just, yeah, you know what, I'm not going to go there. Uh, But thankfully... God didn't wait for us. I'm thankful that God didn't wait for us to make the first move. I'm thankful that God didn't wait for us to get hungry enough for Him so that then He would then shed His love upon us. John in his first letter in chapter 4 said, we love Him. Why? Because He first loved us. I'm thankful that in the Gospel we see a God that is, that, that is rescuing mankind, that is initiating His relationship with mankind. And so, who is it in your life where that relationship is beginning to smolder? Maybe things are beginning to become a little bit distant. They, 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 they weren't as red-hot fire as they used to be, but now it's become to dissipate, can I encourage you to initiate that friendship again? Don't wait. Don't wait for them. Because listen, if they don't ever do it and you don't ever do it, then that friendship completely dies. And it's not necessarily a place where God wants us to be. And so, when you think of of the Gospel, God didn't wait for us to initiate. God God moved. God advanced toward us. Can I challenge you this week, as I I challenge myself this week, to move, initiate with that person? Okay? You say, well, you know, I've I've got all great friends. Okay, well, then are you still, are you initiating growth, things like that, where things begin to dissipate? Okay? Initiate. Let me me ask you to consider a second question for for you this morning. Do I sacrifice in my friendships? Do I sacrifice in my friendships? The cost of following Jesus 
is supposed to be reflected in our relationships. Okay? Jesus was telling the disciples here in John 15, hey, listen, there's going to be a cost when you follow me. When you, when you love like I do, if you're going to want... If, <laughs> I, I can sense like serious like conviction. Listen, if you're going to love the way that God wants you to love, if you're going to be unified, if you're going to live peaceably as much as in you, live peaceably with all men, then listen, you're going to have to be willing to take on some very, very difficult things. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, you're going to face persecution if you love radically like this. If, you are, if you're trying to have unity amongst yourselves, listen, there's going to be some difficult. Consider what costs you are bearing to keep the friendships alive. It may be simply the willingness to spend an hour on the phone when you'd rather be asleep, right? What are you doing calling me at that hour? Oh, they don't ever hear that, but when I look at what? Hey, is it okay, the transparency here this morning? You're probably thinking, oh, I've been that person called that late, okay? Hey, I like my beauty sleep, all right? It's all good. Just kidding, teasing you a little bit. But, but, but listen, what, what, are, what are we willing to sacrifice to keep that friendship alive? What are we willing to sacrifice to, to advance that relationship? Are we willing to maybe go outside of our way? I will never forget. Uh, I'd say about 10 years ago, I was going through something in my life. We were living on the East Coast, pastoring in Pennsylvania. And I had a friend that was on a road trip that was probably 50 to 100 miles away from me. And they knew that I was struggling with something. I was discouraged. And you know what they did? They literally came all the way over to me. And we said, hey, let's go get a coffee. Spend about an hour and two hours. I will never forget that. And I begin to ask myself, Ryan, are there times where you are willing to go out of your way to sacrifice for a friendship? I think you and I can all look at Christ sacrificing for us, right? leaving the perfection of heaven, leaving the, the, the perfect communion with the Father so that 33 and a half years later He could bear our sin and that relationship, the wrath of God was going to be poured out on His own Son. I think, Jesus, I, think, I think we can see how the Gospel is a great example for us in that. Are we willing to sacrifice for our friends? Okay, let's ask another question here. Okay, remember, don't be thinking about anybody else. Think about yourself. Question number three, do I appreciate my friends for who they are or what they can give me. Do I appreciate my friends for who they are? Kind of a little bit of review here. Or for what they can give me. Now friendship, I'll be honest with you, it's not an exact science. Uh, it's unclear why we in a tense, tend to gravitate to you know, some people uh, over others. We undoubtedly want to be around, you know, people who energize us, you know, people who, you know, just kind of, that they're, they have some similar passions and likes. That's appropriate. I understand that. I get it. However, if our standard of friendship is always what someone else can do for us, then guess what? The gospel is not the center of that friendship. The gospel principles that you and I understand, listen, it we're missing something in that relationship. God did not love Israel because of His people's inherent worth. Okay? 
God didn't just look down and say, hmm, yeah, you know what, there's something, there's something really special about them. No, actually, we find that God simply chose to love them. Deuteronomy 7, the Lord did not set His love upon you, nor chose you because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all the people. The Bible would tell you that, that, that God loves us while we were yet sinners. And so you and I, we're not, we're not gaining anything with God because of some ability that we have here. No, no, no. God just sheds His love on us. God just extends that, that, that friendship, that love to us, whether or not we reciprocate it. Shouldn't that what our friendships be like? For sure. John 15 is talking about this. The way that the Father loves me and the way that I love the Father, this is a pattern for you. The way that I love you, it should be a pattern for the way that you love others. And so is it just what we can get out of them? Or is it more so I can be a blessing to them? Okay, question number four. We all right? We doing okay? Uh, all right, we're doing okay. I don't know if the 49ers are losing yet or not, but we're all right. I mention it every week. I'm sorry. I'm really not sorry. Number four. Number four. Do I want close friends? <laughs> well, if I keep picking on the 49ers, I'll never have any, will I? Eddie and I prayed on Friday night. It was awesome. You know, it's great taking jabs at his team. It was a blessing. But do I want close friends? Now, I'll be honest with you, I don't assume that everybody in this room wants close friends. We're not all like, you know, uh, Socrates who said, I have a passion for friends. And I would rather have a good friend than the best horse or dog. Yea, by the dog of Egypt, I should greatly prefer a real friend to all the gold of Darius or even to Darius himself. I am such a lover of friends as that. Now, we don't all have such passions like that. We, we, we can't always articulate you know, necessarily things like that. We don't have a passion. Some prefer a good book. Some prefer Netflix, right? Okay? Others find sufficient encouragement within their immediate family, within their you know, spousal relationship. And, and I get all that. Then necessarily always looking for the outside great close friendships. Whatever the case is, whatever the, whatever the reason that, that, that maybe you don't seek out those close friendships, maybe, maybe you love to read, maybe you're, maybe you're a private person, maybe, maybe you're shy, all of those things, I, I get that. I, I'm not trying to make you, make you feel bad for that. But we should observe that through Jesus, that though Jesus enjoyed perfect friendship and community in the Godhead, the incarnation showed His desire for others to become His friends. Jesus said here in John 15 to his disciples that, you know, that, 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 that ye are my friends, that you and I, we can become friends with God. Can I put it another way? We can become reconciled again with God. Because you and I, we were alienated from God. And so Jesus came down, born of a virgin, dies on the cross. Why? So we can have peace with the Father again. So we can be, can I put it in the vernacular of our, uh, of our, of our study? We can be friends again. It mattered to God. It mattered to Christ. Christ was willing to, to leave that perfect harmony, that community, community. Remember what I said, we are created in that image, hence we were created for this community as well. And He did that through the work on the cross. 
Christ allowed us to become his friend. This is a wonderful motivation for evangelism. Of course it is. But it is also a motivation for seeking out friends to love sacrificially. I'd encourage you. Again, I'm not trying to you know, totally change the way uh, you, know, you do everything in your life, but, but there ought to be a desire to have some close friends. Okay, number five. Do I bear with my friends? Do I bear with them? Do I bear with my friends? We're often hurt by our friends. Our patience is tried by our friends. We often wonder if it's worth the fight, if it's worth the pain. And once again, the gospel provides our answer. Looking forward to the, to the grace and mercy of God that was going to be displayed on the cross. Jesus was teaching at the Sermon on the Mount and He tells him, He says, listen, I want you to forgive men their trespasses. I want you to forgive them. And obviously that was foreshadowing what Jesus would say upon the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And we see in the Gospel, we see in Christ an extension of forgiveness. An extension of allowing, listen, allowing people off the hook. Allowing people, have you ever said something when you had a really bad day? Anybody? Hey, allow that with somebody else. Have you ever done something when everything just wasn't going right? Allow that deference with somebody else. Hey, God has taught me a lot over the last couple of weeks. And God's used even some friends to help me uh, w- with some of this. But you and I, listen, we got to extend, extend that forgiveness. Are you willing to bear with them? Don't just cut it off right away. Be willing to, uh, be, be willing to endure a little bit of hardship. Jesus said it was going to be that way. Unity, it's hard in a world that is dominated by Satan and dominated by his power and the spirit of Antichrist, he's going to be trying to rip every single relationship apart. Don't let him. Fight, fight it. Bear with those that have been harsh unto you. And that leads us to our final point. You've listened so well through this series. But our final question, do I turn to God for friendship? Do you turn to God for friendship? Friendships can be some of the most rewarding as well as some of the most discouraging things and relationships on earth. It is noteworthy that though the Bible speaks a great deal about our need for others, I think I've tried to allude to that over these four weeks, it speaks far more about our need for God. Far more about that. All you got to do is consider the Psalms. The Psalms are just littered with testimonies of God's affection and tender care for His people. There are some of the most beautiful songs that we can sing of God-reliance that there is. Psalm 141 says, Lord, I cry unto Thee. Make haste unto me. Give ear unto my voice when I cry unto Thee. This is, a, this is a believed to be a psalm of David. This is a prayer from a man that, that, that clearly knew that God was his friend. That God cared for him. God would you, would you hear me? Would you, would you move upon my ha- on my behalf? How about Abraham? Abraham understood a great relationship and has been called the friend of God. James tells us, and the Scripture was fulfilled with saith, Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Now with that, hear me. Hear me for a few more minutes. I'm almost done. You and I, we've got to be careful. Because first, we must be careful not to downplay 
the transcendence of God. He is not the kind of friend that we can expect in a church. Okay? He cannot, he's not the kind of friend that we can expect in our neighborhood or on the ball field or something like that. Oftentimes we, we think of God in, in, in human terms. So you'll think of a, uh, of a friend and you think, okay, yeah, well, that's how, you know, that's how God is. Don Carson commenting on John 15, here's what he said. Mutual reciprocal friendship of the modern variety is not in view and cannot be without demeaning God. So here's what, here's what Carson, when he's, when he's referencing that relationship in John 15 that, that Jesus is talking about, he pointed out that our relationship with God, it's unlike any other. And here's why. Because He's our Lord. And He's our Master. And guess what? You and I, we are His servant and we are happily doing so. At least we ought to be. But He is the greatest of masters. He is the, he is the greatest of lords. And so this, this friendship that we have with Him is different because no one here on this earth is our master. Okay? No one here on this earth is our, is our Lord. And so you and I, we've got we've, we've to understand we can't bring it all the way down to this kind of horizontal view, vantage point. But we can look carefully... We don't need to downplay the uniqueness of the marriage relationship. Okay, the relationship between a husband toward his wife, which should display service and sacrifice, is a especially profound picture of the gospel. You study Ephesians 5, and it's, uh, it's beautiful what you learn that, that that biblical relationship is a beautiful picture of the gospel. And so you and I, we ought to embrace the truth that God has befriended us in Christ. Hear what I'm about to say. He's all we need. Everything else is a bonus. Okay? Though we intend some to marry and the rest of us to have rich friendships, Here's what I mean by needing. God is the only one that can satisfy. I'm telling you, if you're looking for that, if you're looking for a human being that's got some flesh, that's got bones, that's got like hot red blood. I don't know, is it red underneath the skin? I don't know. They tell you in science, who knows? If you're looking for them to satisfy you, I hate to tell you this, but your life is going to be far, far less meaningful. And you're going, to, you're going to miss out on a lot. But if you and I realize that my, my most important relationship, my most important, again, don't think of it so much a human, my most important friendship is with God through Christ. And if you'll find your satisfaction there, if you'll find your meaning of life there, you will then begin to be able to branch out on a horizontal plane and be able to find wonderful, lasting, meaningful relationships with men and women in your life. Our quest for friendship, human friendship, should never outshine or outwork our quest for God. 
Got friends? Let me ask you this. Are you close with the most important friend? Do you have a great relationship with God through Christ? Do you walk with Him? Do you commune with Him? So often we think that the horizontal plan, the horizontal friends, i got to have a spouse, and those things, those are beautiful things in life. But it's not the one satisfying source that only God can be. Because He's the only one that will never let you down. Every other relationship, they're going to let you down. Every other relationship is going to say something, do something that they shouldn't, but God will never, ever let you down. Now, I'll be honest with you, the Bible says so much more about friendship than simply a four-week series could hold. There's many more questions that you could ask, but however, this is what I want you to take away from today. It is sufficient to understand that Christians really ought to be the best friends to others because we have been befriended by the Savior. You and I are given the tools in Christ to be different towards people. So I want you this week, I want you to go into your workplaces and I want you to be different. I want you to befriend people. I want you to be sacrificial. I don't want you to look at people the way, what can they give me? Instead, what can I do for them? And then ultimately, you'll be able to point them to Christ. Oh, it's going to bring, it's going to be hard because we don't live in a world of unity. We live in a world of disunity. And Jesus said, hey, you're going to try to love like this. You're going to try to, you're going to try to live like this, what I've patterned for you. And I ultimately, in a few hours, am going to ultimately pattern for you. Man, you try to live that way, it's going to be hard. There's going to be some pushback. But listen, it's worth it. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to ask God right now to help you be the friend that you ought to be. Don't worry about anybody else. You just worry about yourself.